Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girlbomb. Girlbomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. Joey, welcome back to the show. I am so happy that you're here. Hey, Bridget. It's great to be back. So I'll just jump right into it. In lieu of banter, I have been dying to get your thoughts on something. Did you see that viral TikTok and the responses to it about the straight cis woman who went to a lesbian bar in Brooklyn with her straight cis male friend and it sounds like maybe the friend was asked to leave she made a tiktok about it do you know what i'm talking about i i did yes i did watch the original video and uh the follow-up and all of the various commentaries there were (laughs) Um, so many um, follow-ups there were so many follow-ups so the bar in question actually was not in Brooklyn. It's Cubby Hole, which is in the West Village of Manhattan. Oh. Um, I actually have never been there. Uh, a big reason why I have not been there is because it's tiny. Like it is a like and that is something that a lot of the kind of commentary on this have pointed out is the fact that Cubby Hole is like it's it, it it's tiny. It's probably like literally like the size of my apartment. Um but yeah, I this has been all over my TikTok. Uh, lately, I could spend the entire episode talking about it. But uh, yeah, no, it was weird. I, you know, I, I feel like this has been a good reminder that straight women uh, sometimes can be just as bad as straight <laughs> cis men uh, in terms of just like absolutely missing the, the whole situation. I just, I don't know. My favorite response to this whole thing so far was like, the guy being like, hey, why do you want to be in the lesbian bar to begin with? Like, it's a lesbian bar. Like, what are you going to do? Like, That's such a good point. One of the one of the TikTok responses and something some something about this TikTok really got people talking. So mm-hmm. if folks so to, just to give a little bit more context, 
the woman who makes the TikTok, it's one of those TikToks where she's doing a story time, doing her makeup, and she's explaining how at a night out at Cubby Hole, someone that she sort of describes as like a mean lesbian comes up to her friend and is like, "Who? why are you here? Who are you with? And she's like, oh, he's with me. And as a straight person in a lesbian bar, it's a little bit much to be like, oh, he's with me. I'm someone's guest and I have a guest. Uh, and so basically she's like, is this a new thing where you're not allowed to be in the lesbian <laughs> bar if you are straight? Well, she specifically says, like, is there a rule? Like, is yes. there a rule? And it's like, am I- <laughs> No, there's no rule that you can't go to a gay bar if you're straight. It's just there's also no rule that people aren't going to be like, why are you here? Like, (laughs) yes. So the response that I saw that really made me think, well, one, I've never been to Cubbyhole either. But seeing how small it is, I was like, okay, I can kind of get a sense of like maybe what was going on. Also, the woman who made the first TikTok, she was like, oh, there were other men there. Um. You know, like he wasn't the only man there. And so part of me was like, nobody was walking up to those people and being like, you're straight. What are you doing here? How did someone like I just have a hard time believing that somebody just singled this guy out, knew that he was straight, walked up to him and was like, what are you doing here? I feel like something about his behavior, something about what they were doing must have at least at the the very at the very baseline have been obnoxious, like in a small space. Yeah, did you? Exactly. Did you did you see the follow up from the the woman who was the lesbian in the video or that was being talked about? She made a follow up and she was like, she was just kind of like, yeah, I was like trying to find the bed. Ba- well, I think she she was like trying to find the line for the bathroom, and this dude was in the way, and she asked him if he could like move or like I don't know. Like he just it sounds like apparently he was just acting sort of weird about it. He was being sort of a dick about it. Um, and she was kind of like, oh, well, like, are you here with anybody? Like, are you here with friends? And he immediately was like, oh, well, would it, would it be okay? Would it not be okay if I wasn't here with anybody? <laughs> Which, like, I don't, what is up with straight people and, like, straight cis men specifically, like, making up fake scenarios where they're being attacked? Like, <laughs> literally nobody, he was the one to be like, oh, it wouldn't be not okay. I don't know. Yeah, man. I, like, weird. Um. It was it was good at least to see how quickly I think people jumped to defend the uh, supposed mean lesbian in the video <laughs> and, uh, you know, actually address the fact that a lot of the stuff that the original video said were like weirdly homophobic. And even the, yeah, the comment about like, oh, there were all these like flamboyant gay men there. And yeah, was, I was like, kind of oh, side-eyeing okay. that comment. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. And once again, like, it's a tiny bar. It's a space for, well, this is the bigger issue. And I think the reason this, like, really blew up and, like, resonated with a lot of of people right now is because, like, there is a tiny number of, like, lesbian bars that are actually operating in the U.S. Um, I looked it up. Only 23 lesbian bars exist in the United States. Yeah. And, like, you know, this is in the West Village, which is, like, where Stonewall is. It's, like, was the big gay neighborhood for a while in New York. Now it really isn't anymore. But um, there's all these, like, really important historic gay bars. And in terms of lesbian bars, it's kind of just, like, Henrietta's and Cubbyhole, and that's it. And again, Cubbyhole is a tiny space that is, like, the reason these bars exist is because, you know, queer people were excluded from... Or, you know, 
the whole well, the, the whole like cis straight woman argument is like, oh, well, I just feel more comfortable in like gay bars than I do in straight bars. But then it's like, how do you think gay people feel? Like it is a whole other level. Yeah, which it it's so like these these spaces exist for a reason. They exist because they're responding to the fact that queer people were excluded from straight spaces. And it's so weird now to be seeing straight people be so up in arms about it like imagined scenario when they're being told they can't go into the spaces that were created because they excluded us from other spaces like it's weird yeah it's basically like like you can't be in our space okay we'll make our own space i want in that space <laughs> right look i know like queer women are cool now like but Please, like, just give up. This is, like, we have so little that is just for, I don't know. And even, I don't know, there was another TikTok I saw with the whole comment about, like, oh, well, there were all these gay men there that was like, hey, it's, like, weird how, like, what? How do you know they're gay men? Also, it's like, yeah, it's a gay bar. There's gay men at the gay bar. There's gay women that go to gay male bars. Like, I don't know. There's just a different, like, kind of attitude about gender that straight people just, like, do not even want to think about. What do you think? It has been a long time since I've seen something that was regional specific, like happening in one city, circulated in one bar, that got such a big reaction from people who like maybe have never even been to New York City, have never been to that bar. Do you think do you think it's the feeling of like feeling nationally like queer spaces are being pushed out? And so this need to use online platforms to loudly like say that and to like there's like a chorus of people who are like actually this is really messed up here's why do you think that's what's going on and why it resonated so much yeah um I think it's like exactly that I think it's just you know whatever part of the country you're in you know either your rights are actively like being debated in your state government right now um or being taken away from you or yeah you're like if you're in a place like New York that's like supposed to be more accepting but these queer spaces are becoming like few and far apart and uh there's been more and more sort of co-opting of those spaces by straight folks and I think you know I I think that, yeah it is like a, a big part of this is just that it's part of this bigger trend of like these spaces closing and and going away and then also the few spaces we have left straight people coming into them and only really coming in to sort of prove that they can be there which seems to be the biggest issue here like I don't know that's just the thing that gets me every time is it's this whole like this whole conflict a they kind of made it not made it up but it was like an imagined thing like nobody was telling him he couldn't be there and then also it's like but yeah why are you like so insistent on invading this bit which it's interesting like what somebody there was a one of the videos that I saw like responding to this was like talking about how you know originally there was all these like straight women that were coming to gay bars because they were like you know quote unquote felt more safe there and then would sometimes not all the times but like occasionally then you know act in a way that was making the gay patrons of the bar not feel safe and then also now it's happening is a lot of like straight cis men are coming into gay bars and are coming into gay male bars quote-unquote or like lesbian bars or whatever because they're following these like straight women that are going there Ugh. and now it's like 
Yeah, like I've had the experience of being hit on by cis straight men at a lesbian bar. It is so infuriating. <laughs> it's like, is there nowhere where like heterosexuality doesn't have to be centered? Like, there's a gay bar. Right. And the stupidest thing about it is like, these are the same people that then are going to come to that and be like, oh, well, like, do you, how do you, do you know that I'm a cis? But people know that fear is like, and nobody who's not a cis man would respond to that with like oh well like how did you know that I but like I don't know it's so stupid it's like it's this like self-victimization going into the spaces of the people that you're actually oppressing or like you know have created these oppressive structures for yeah. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> Clearly, I have a lot of feelings about this. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought you would. I'm glad to get your takes. I have a, I have a, this is, might be a hot take. I agree with everything that you've laid out. It makes so much sense. Yeah. I would also, yes, and that, and add, I think there was something about that original person, that original woman's TikTok, where it just sounded so smug and, like, self-assured. And let me just say this. Yeah. If I had gone out to any kind of space where someone came up to me and it became clear that I was doing something that was making them uncomfortable, I was making them feel some kind of a way, they didn't want me there, they were asking me questions about, you know, why I was there, I don't think after the fact I would I would make a video that was like, okay, so I made them uncomfortable. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I was I was surprised how how comfortable she was taking the position of We've done nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. It's actually this big, mean lesbian who's done something wrong. That was really, I, th- I think there's something about that that just like gets under, it's, it's just kind of gets under people's skin. And maybe that's one of the reasons why people are like, I got to submit some facts yeah. for that, <laughs> this woman. Well, it's, I mean, she's like doing her makeup in the video. And look, like, look. Usually, I am not for, like, internet pylons of people, like, whatever. Sometimes people do stupid things and make mistakes. In this case, yeah, and it's the, like, smugness of it. And then she ended up, like, deleting it and making an apology video and then later deleted the apology video. But in the apology video, she's, A, still doing her makeup while she's doing it. That's her oh. whole thing. And she says it in the same tone where she's like, I was just asking a, like, question. Like, I don't understand. You were not just asking a question. Like, you cannot come in and, like, spew homophobic kind of tropes and then expect people not to get mad about that. You cannot go into a queer space and, like, yeah, create, like, have that kind of response and then be surprised when people react negatively to you, you know, doing that. Yes. And let's be real. Like, there is a tone of voice. Like, there is a way to convey seriousness via a TikTok, doing your makeup and being like, well, I'm just asking questions. Everybody knows what you are trying to convey. It is very clear what you're trying to convey. I really don't like it when people make content like that. And then they try to, they try to like throw a rock and hide their hands. It's like, you clearly made this video, you know, don't try to act like you were just asking questions and you weren't trying to be disrespectful or smug. Now, stay, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. It's like a, there's this thing online that I see a lot where people will be trying to convey a certain tone or a certain smugness or a flippancy, if that's a word. I don't know. Check check that if that is or not. I don't know. But And then when they're called on it, they're like, oh, that's just, I wasn't, I didn't mean it that way. I feel like she meant it how she meant it. It was received the way that it was intended. And the fact that she had to delete her apology video as well, I don't know. I really, 
It really tells me something. Right. Like, that's not an apology. I don't know. I Look, I think straight women, straight white women, like, y'all can be just as homophobic as your straight boyfriends. Like, but anyways, I could go on about this for the whole episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bridget, I'm sure you've got many more stories ahead. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's start with Blue Sky. So Blue Sky, for folks who don't know, is a Twitter alternative funded by Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey. It used to be invite only. And there was a time where people would be like, oh, who has a Blue Sky invite? Like, who's got a code? Who's got a code? Well, good news. If you're interested in checking it out, Blue Sky is now available to everyone. So Blue Sky, I, I've used it a bit. It's a, it looks a lot, it looks and feels a lot like Twitter. However, it is open source. So that means that there is more transparency into how it is run because it is open source. So TechCrunch had a piece that really put this into perspective. Before opening to the public, Blue Sky had about 3 million signups. Now that anybody can join, can Blue Sky meaningfully stand up to Threads' 130 million monthly active users or Mastodon's 1.8 million active users? It is a fair question. The answer is, I don't know, TBD. However, I I don't know. I think it's kind of exciting. Like, on the one hand, I am definitely experiencing a kind of like fatigue slash exhaustion in our current digital media landscape where, you know, I just feel like you're meant to be everywhere. You, you're meant to be branding yourself everywhere if you want to do anything at all. And the, you know, the landscape keeps shifting beneath my feet. And so it's like, oh, here's how you succeed on Twitter. Here, and then that changes. And then it's like, oh, here's how you succeed on Instagram. And then that changes. And I am feeling a little bit of fatigue of feeling like I have to show up everywhere and not really knowing how to do that and feeling like that is like tied to my success as a creative person. That's a whole other conversation. However... I don't know. I'm choosing to sort of be excited about Blue Sky opening up to everybody. I am really challenging myself to use Twitter less. I deleted it from my phone, and that's really helped. Um, I don't think that showing up on Twitter is good for me anymore. And so I I'm excited about just having a new platform in the mix. Um, Joey, do you have you ever used Blue Sky? I have not yet. I um, also kind of had the mentality of like I don't know like around this was yeah it came out when there were all these like Twitter knockoff platforms that were coming out and um I think I made a Mastodon account I made a I made an account for one of them honestly I don't remember which app it was which I think is so telling of just like how much stuff was coming out then I like but yeah I, I think I'm also like I haven't really used my Twitter much in the past couple months um kind of had switched over to like TikTok and, and and Instagram with that but you know this is good to hear I feel like Blue Sky is one of the ones that I like heard about early on and I still hear about so maybe it's maybe it's taking off who's to say Threads has been disappointing so you know <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying I mean if, if folks are having experiences with new platforms let me know how those experiences are going I've tried Thread. So I've tried Threads. I've tried Spill. We had um, a senior leader from Spill on the podcast a few months ago. She was great, like really made me excited for the platform. Um, my not using it a lot is not an indication that it's not a good platform. It's just like, again, that fatigue I was, I was speaking to earlier. Uh, Mastodon, I tried 
Producer Mike really enjoys Mastodon. Mastodon just doesn't feel weird enough for me. I kind of need a little <laughs> bit of like a little bit of freaky deaky in my yeah. social media platforms. I need to be like, there are weirdos here doing weirdo shit. That's what I think makes is the secret sauce of social media platforms. Mastodon, it, it's like smart people having smart conversations, but like no, as far as I know, nobody is like getting weird. Maybe that's there and I haven't seen it and I haven't really used it a ton. So if it's there, let me know. Threads, I feel is similar. Yeah. <laughs> Something about threads. Every time I open threads, it is just people that I like, like podcast people, creative people, people who make things, journalists, whatever, media folks, kind of bemoaning, rightly so, but bemoaning the state of media right now. And I'm depressed as enough as it is. It's like I don't like opening my social media platform and, and being reminded of all the stuff I'm not doing and need to be doing and the ways that I'm falling behind in like digitally marketing myself. And I think that on threads, I, I feel like the people who are really showing up and showing out on threads are the people who are like, I need to use this platform to like grow my plat grow my own brand, grow my platform, which I get and respect. But I don't know, part of why I use social media is just for fun, for shits and giggles. And something about thread just makes me feel, just reminds me of all the ways that I'm not setting up the Substack or not doing the things I should do. It's just a space where I think folks feel really concerned about, you know, using platforms for their own brand. Um, Blue Sky, when I first got it, it was sort of like memes and jokes and people, like it kind of felt like the early days of social media, but I haven't really used it enough to really say what it's like now. Yeah, I... It'll be interesting to see what happens with it. I I feel like I've had, yeah, the same experience with threads where... It, it feels so corporate. It feels so like so much of what I'm seeing is like brands and um, it almost kind of feels like the like cleaned up version of what's happening on Twitter right now where I'm getting a lot of tweets yes. about stuff that I don't care about. But instead of like Twitter just being like off the rails, weird stuff like threads is just the most like mild centrist middle of the line but also still weird and like kind of offensive stuff going around it feels like <laughs> I which yeah I they're, they're definitely like it's the same thing what you said about like Mastodon not really having that like weird space like I feel like threads doesn't have that either but it doesn't even have like the people having nice interesting conversations too it's just like I don't know just very corporate very brand friendly yes I feel the exact same way it's like weirdly offensive but somehow also boring at the same time it's like this is not even engaging but also weirdly i feel a little offended by it right so we're actually going to be speaking on the podcast with someone from blue sky very soon so if you want to try it out now is a good time to do that and if you use blue sky and have questions for senior folks there let me know and I will ask them when we have them on the podcast and in the meantime you can follow me on blue sky where i am Bridget Todd, first name, last name, because I was an early adopter. So I, I got the like first name, last name. But follow me there. I don't post a goddamn thing. But if you <laughs> want to follow me, you can. You know what? Maybe I'll make mine after this. The next episode I'll be on, I'll have a blue sky to, to yes. for everybody. <laughs> follow Joey on blue sky. Name TBD. TBD. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd. 
March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RTP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, so I love the internet, but if you listen to this podcast, I probably don't need to tell you that it can come with a lot of very serious privacy concerns. The sad truth is being a traditionally marginalized person online or being an activist or even just somebody who sticks up for what you believe in means having to worry about what kind of information is online out there about us. It's something I think about a lot. And that's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter nogirls at checkout, J-O-I-N. D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash no girls. And we'll see you on the internet. And we're back. Okay, so we talked before about how people are using AI to manipulate women's images to make them appear undressed. We talked about the Taylor Swift deepfakes. We've talked about deepfakes to make women look nude or look like they're in sexual situations. Well, now we have people who are using that same AI technology to add clothing to women who want to appear undressed in online images. And it really all boils down to the same thing. People using tech to take away someone's agency in terms of how they want to present themselves online. So Dignify AI is a social media account that has almost 30,000 followers where they use AI to put clothes on to women's images online and cover them up. So what the account will do will be like directly applying to women who have who post pictures of themselves in like bikinis or whatever. And they will post pictures of them in various stages of undress that these women have voluntarily put online next to images that they have used AI to manipulate and edited them to look more modest and covered up. They will usually have some kind of a mocking caption that's like, keep your dignity or here, I used AI to give you your dignity back. So. In case someone is thinking like, oh, well, maybe they're doing this legitimately because they want to empower women somehow. Like maybe they think like, oh, this is really like, I'm really like doing the right thing here. It is pretty clearly done as a troll. Media Matters reported that folks who were posting these kind of images were saying things like, quote, AI porn makes them angry, but use AI to clothe them, remove their tattoos and piercings. The seething will echo through the ages. 
Media Matters reports that that same user then said that it would be mimetic perfection and likened it to the 4chan campaign's Islam is right about women and it's okay to be white. So this is not done for any kind of like, I mean, even if it, even if these people were thinking like, oh, we're like supporting and empowering the women, that would still be no good. But these people are pretty clearly just trying to shame women who put their images out onto the internet. Yeah. That's so gross, first of all. Second of all, how big of a loser do you have to be to, like, Photoshop clothing back on to somebody? Like, I don't know. That's so stupid. It is already so, like, demeaning. And I don't know. It's the whole thing about, yeah, you you can't be anything if you're a woman. You can, you're wearing too much clothes or too little clothes or whatever. You're getting your clothes Photoshopped off of you or on you. But already, yeah, like... Damn, you th- that's so weird. Yeah, and that's that like you really nailed it. It's like if you are modestly dressed online, they will use AI and technology to make you appear undressed. If you're like, okay, I want to be not really dressed online, they will use technology to make you appear more dressed. It's like the point, it, it doesn't matter how you show up online. The point is they should be the ones deciding how you show up online, not right. you. It's like like this whole thing about giving women dignity. Not only is that obviously meant to be a troll, but it's not about that at all. It is about control and humiliation and shame and using technology to strip the agency away from people. Like that's like clearly what it's about. Yeah, like and just to be clear, like what if yeah, if that's if you find it empowering to be more modest or to dress more modest modestly, like all power to you. Love that. Like women and people should be able to wear whatever they want you know like I'll support that idea um but yeah it is it's it's so it's so weird and like gross and it the the the, at the end of the day it's about being able to control women's bodies it's not about what's empowering to them or what's dignifying to them it's about you being able to say what they're wearing exactly it is about taking away control and and agency like if you want to dress modestly or not dress modestly, the point is it should be up to you, not a bunch of shuds on 4chan who are using AI to, to strip you of that choice. And I think it's telling that they're not just putting clothes on them. They're removing their tattoos and piercings and changing their hair color. So obviously this is not just about how they choose to dress. It is how they choose to present themselves physically. Right-wing online provocateur Ian Miles Chiang wrote... When given pictures of thirst traps, AI imagines what could have been if they had been raised by strong fathers. Yuck. (laughs) Yeah, what the hell? (laughs) Also, you know that those, like, dresses are probably, like, super ugly. Like, let's be real. Yes! They're probably putting them in, like, the ugliest outfits where it's like, nobody would wear this to begin with. Yeah, that's so weird. So NBC talked to Isla David, a sex worker and sex educator, who is one of the women who... Somebody used AI to make her appear more modest. And she really nails the way this conversation is really not about sex. It is about using technology to humiliate and shame women. She said, It does not matter whether you're a woman like Taylor Swift who is denying access to her nude body or someone like me who is offering access to my nude body. It is a tool to ensure that women never retain sole autonomy over our body and images online. She also goes further to say that she thinks that these images really fit into the current trad wife social media trend and that these guys are using AI to turn her into this kind of fantasy, modest woman who is a traditional wife who dresses modestly and has kids around her. 
But that's not who she is. And they're using technology to sort of be like, oh, well, this is what she would look like if she had made better choices. NBC spoke to Mike Stable, the director of public affairs for the Free Speech Coalition, which which is an organization that lobbies on behalf of the adult industry, who said, this is about controlling representations of women in society. It's that ultimately women cannot be trusted to make their own decisions about whether to take off their clothes, get tattoos, or put on clothes. It's infantilization. And ultimately, these men, by and large, are going to make the decision. If you don't want to do it, at least in their world, they're going to change that. And I do think that this is sort of grounded in this attitude that women are not capable of or do not deserve control over our bodies and our the decisions that we make for ourselves. And so, you know, all of that is to say, we've been talking a lot about deep fakes and AI and the intersections of identity, but ultimately AI and deep fakes is a, is a tool. What this is really about is this pervasive attitude that marginalized people, we don't deserve to control our own, our own choices and our own bodies and the way that this technology is being used to further that attitude. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's it's so like weird and gross. I don't know. I'm so stuck on it. There's something so particularly. I hate. I hate that he that late earlier you mentioned that one of them like in this 4chan thread said something about like oh people are more mad about you removing the tattoos and making them more modest than they are about leaking their nudes. But in in, in a weird way, it almost is kind of like it's not grosser. Obviously, like leaking or like fake nudes or like that's terrible. That's gross. But it's like. It's so weird to be putting to yeah, like to be not just like hypersexualizing somebody, but putting them into this mold of who you think they should be based on like gendered expectations. And like, yeah, there is this weird, like, we're in such a weird moment right now, too, with I was just on stuff mom never told you talking about some of the sort of like trends on TikTok right now around girlhood and like womanhood. But we're in such a weird point where there has been a really really strong like kind of resurgence to like in resurgence of like pressure to 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 go into these very gendered very highly gendered molds and very you know particularly for women like there's this 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 return of like the trad wife is kind of it's you know everybody obviously like kind of knows the trad wife is like the most extreme but there's been all these weird sort of pressures for women to like become more feminine and and present more feminine and it just this just feels like another manifestation of that that's so weird and creepy and demeaning and not uh, not great for like the future to come I guess (laughs) yeah and if if you there is nothing wrong with being a girly girl I don't necessarily consider myself a girly girl but like (laughs) if that's what you want to do you should do that and that's I like yes however I do think that you're right there is something I think that we're experiencing something that's like if you are like Obviously, it's better if you don't have tattoos, have your natural hair color, are modestly dressed, have kids around you. And even if that's even if that's not the choice that you have made for yourself in your life, someone out there is going to use technology to give the world a window into what it would look like if you had made this choice that we all know was better, you know? And I, I do think there's something like, we're just, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't wait to listen to your episode on Stuff I'll Never <laughs> Told You um, because there is, I, I do think there's something going on with feminine like 
hyper-feminine accessories and bows. And, like, I don't know, something – I think oh, yeah. we're in an interesting <laughs> moment, and I, I can't wait to hear your, your takes on stuff Mom ever told you. Thank you. I have been – there is a point in the episode where I try to explain what Coquette is to – I really badly try to explain <laughs> what Coquette is to Samantha, but I definitely kind of go back on to a whole episode about Coquette because it's the same. Like, all – if that is what, like, the kind of aesthetics and, like, fashion you're into, love that for you. Like, a lot of that stuff is really cool and really cute. That being said – Whatever it's a like pressure to put this onto other people, I am not a feminine person at all. That is just not a way that I'm comfortable presenting. If somebody were to take a photo of me and like Photoshop my hair longer and like a dress on, like that's gross. That is so weird and gross. And yeah, it's just everything is weird. There's gender is weird. <laughs> gender is weird. I think we should just not police each other's genders. That would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah, and certainly not policing it via AI deep fakes of strangers. Cause that's just weird. Let's let's not yeah. do it. Stop doing that. It's gross. It's weird. It's not the like epic troll you think it is. It just makes you look really weird. So if you're yeah, not, not that anybody not who does that her. is listening. It's always, this is like the male version of like, oh my god, I I could save her. I could fix her. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can remove her tattoos using AI. <laughs> More after a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RTP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As we celebrate International Women's Day and all the strides we've made, let's also take a moment to reflect on something important. The future of our self-care. You see, for too long, we've compromised on things that matter most. Us. But not anymore. New Conair Girl Bomb is helping us embrace a new era of self-care and self-love. Girl Bomb represents a groundbreaking line of hair removal tools specifically designed for women. From the smoothest shave to the most precise trim, Conair Girl Bomb is all about making you feel empowered, confident, and unapologetically you. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self-care is so important. With Conair Girl Bomb's Ultimate Girl Bomb Grip and professional-grade blades, we're reclaiming our self-care journey with precision and power, the kind we used to only get from men's tools. So head to Walgreens today and treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Because when you look good, you feel good, and there's nothing more empowering than that. Let's get right back into it. Okay, speaking of creepy, gross, 
guys, and technology. Is there something you want to ask me, Joey? Uh, yeah, Bridget. What has Elon done now? Well, Elon is doing a couple things. First, he is funding actor Gina Carano from The Mandalorian. He's funding her lawsuit. So remember way back when, when Elon Musk was like, anybody who faces repercussions for things they say on Twitter, I will pay for their legal, I will pay for their legal defense. There is no limit. I gotta eat crow on this one because people who listen to this show regularly know that whenever there is a financial promise being made from Elon Musk, I, I'm always like, he's not going to do it. Don't take that deal. He's not going to do it. But apparently he is making good on that promise because he is funding Gina's lawsuit against Disney from okay, after but, she was fired from The Mandalorian. But he's doing it for this. Does this mean he's going to do it for every single lawsuit? I don't know. I still I still think you have some some truth there with I mean maybe not the most like there you know. are yeah I mean there are plenty of people who have been who would who have been like let go from their jobs for speaking up for Palestine or like I would be curious to know where this begins and ends with Elon Musk like you Joey I suspect that he might do it this one time and then make a big show of this if he pays lawsuits are expensive they involve lots of recurring bills so I, I I mean, I'm basically I'm saying, like, it wouldn't surprise me if he's like, I'll pay one bill, but I'm not paying all the bills. We will see. However, I bet that this will not be a recurring thing, that he will not take up the, the cause of anybody who faces repercussions for what they post on Twitter. So did you watch The Mandalorian at all? I did. Um, I have not watched the most recent season because I heard it wasn't very good, but I watched the first two. Yeah, this this whole thing was weird. So basically, she was let go from The Mandalorian after tweeting some, like, conspiracy theory kind of vibes. Uh, so what did she tweet exactly? I would say it's kind of your, your garden variety takes. Like, she tweeted, Jeff Epstein didn't kill himself, of course. Also, remember, this was in 2020. It just the vibes were, like, very... People had a lot... Like, there was a lot going on in 2020. I guess I'll just say that. And so... This was back when. Oh, really? What? what yeah, I don't know if you're. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I mean, I joke, but I literally had to like going back to that mentally. I was like, oh yeah, that did happen. Oh yeah, that did happen. Like yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways, I feel like I've blocked a lot of that out. And so, <laughs> yes. And so this was back when like people were acting like being asked to wear a mask was the biggest civil rights violation of our time. And so I think she'd had a tweet where. I guess she was comparing like people who didn't want to wear masks to Jewish people during the Holocaust. She tweeted, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? Uh, so that was a tweet. This one I think yep. is pretty funny. She tweeted a picture of two men wearing masks over mm -hmm. their eyes with the caption, Democratic government leaders now recommend we all wear blindfolds along with masks so we can't see what's really going on. <laughs> I gotta say, when I was like 18, I might I might have snuck a retweet on that one. Like that that would have spoken to <laughs> young me. Like, yeah, they don't want us to see the truth. They want us in blindfolds. <laughs> and then I would draw an anarchy symbol on my notebook. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's something very right. like that's the, the most, the, 
I bet one of many annoying, horrible things about this is like sometimes these like weirdo right wing people will say stuff that it's like, oh, that was kind of funny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like goddamn, like you're crazy, but that's all right. <laughs> I completely agree. Like, I'll, 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 this is like, y'all know I have my problematic faves. Whoever was the first person to come up with Shillery Kilton and then the S is a dollar sign. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you on that one. I was like, that one, that's, it's, it's not like, I like, no, but like, I, it was clever. I see what you did there. Like sometimes they, sometimes they come up with these turns of phrases and some are better than others. Cause I remember in 2008, it was, oh, bummer. And I was like, oh, that one, you could have like Aww. workshopped that one a little better. <laughs> like that didn't have the. <laughs> yeah. Like thanks Obama, that was a good one. Like yeah, like, just respond with like thanks Obama. Thanks Obama. Like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes when you know when you're right, you're though. that doesn't hit. Yeah, yeah. that one didn't hit. <laughs> I'm gonna give that a, a a a two out of ten on that one. So she was really not into the time in 2020 when there was restrictions on people gathering. She tweeted, open up your businesses and churches because people are dropping like flies from depression and suicide, overdoses, murder, all caps. Um. Her tweets about the 2020 election are very interesting to me. She tweeted, We need to clean up the election process so that we're not left feeling the way we do today. Put laws in place that protect us against voter fraud. Investigate every state. Film the counting. Flush out fake votes. Require ID. Make voter fraud end in 2020. Fix the system. So that might all sound reasonable on the surface, but and we saw so much of that sentiment after the election because like, you had people like Ivanka Trump being like, oh, count every legal vote, which again sounds reasonable, but it gives the impression as if there is widespread voter fraud and voting irregularities, which just is not happening. It's never happened. It's not a thing. But when you say like, I just think we should count every legal vote. I just think that we should make sure that, you know, we're not counting fake votes. It really, it's like a tricky way of sowing distrust in our voting process because that's like not it, there aren't widespread voting irregularities and so when you adopt this language that makes it seem like there are it's a very sly way of just kind of like chipping away at people's confidence in our democratic process so this last one is also really interesting to me she tweeted i'm not against trans lives at all they need to find less abusive representation and so when she tweeted that, there was some back and forth on Twitter where basically it seemed like what she was saying was like, I don't have a problem with trans people. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not a transphobe. I just think their spokespeople are very mean. Like, that seemed to be like what, what she was trying to get at. Wait. See, these we're finally addressing the real problems in this episode. It's the mean trans people and the mean lesbians that are kicking the straight people out of lesbian bars and Star Wars. Very mean. <laughs> <laughs> Very rude. Did not care for your tone. Yeah, I remember like all of this going down. Because, yeah, I think like at the time, The Mandalorian was still like a really big show. And I remember all this going down, and it was like one thing after another. It was like, wait, come on. Like, you're also like, you're so. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, what are the most despicable, but also just like stupid takes I can take? Yeah. So I actually think that that's exactly what happened here. Like, I have no inside information from Disney or Lucasfilms or whatever, but I bet that when you are a very much a supporting actor in a piece, I bet that they were just like, this is not worth the headache after a while. Like, 
thing after thing after thing after thing. I can imagine they're just like, we got to get rid of this person because they are just like going rogue on Twitter and we can't have it. Like, I could see if it was just one or two tweets, but like, I can understand why this was not something Disney was thrilled about getting brought into or mired into and was just like, oh, it's easier just to just to not re- recast her. So according to The Hollywood Reporter, the complaint that she filed in a California federal court alleges that she was fired for voicing right-wing opinions on social media and seeks a court order that would force Lucasfilms to recast her in The Mandalorian. According to the complaint, Disney and Lucasfilms harassed and defamed her for refusing to conform with their viewpoints on issues relating to Black Lives Matter, pronouns, and disproven claims of election interference. While she was allegedly fired for her cultural and religious beliefs, she argues that the entertainment giant turned a blind eye to her male co-stars, who allegedly made offensive comments directed toward Republicans. She points to Pedro Pascal's 2017 post comparing Donald Trump to Hitler. So when she says that she has a gender discrimination complaint, she's saying that like, oh, they did this because I was a woman. Pedro Pascal can compare Trump to Hitler, but I can't like say my conspiracy theories without being fired. I will say the suit does kind of make it seem like Disney gave her a few outs. The suit says that Disney required her to meet with a representative from the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Discrimination and demanded a public apology. She refused, and after she refused, she was told to meet with Lucasfilm's president, Kathleen Kennedy, and 45 employees who identify as LGBTQ+, according to the suit. She declined and was terminated shortly thereafter from The Mandalorian, as well as other titles in the Star Wars universe, including Rangers of the New Republic. So it kind of sounds like that tweet that she made about trans people needing better representation or whatever, it sounds like maybe that was like a real sticking point with Disney because they were like, oh, you need to meet with GLAAD, you need to meet with LGBTQ folks, and she declined. And she says that because Disney terminated her, that was the impetus for UTA and her lawyer both dropping her as a client, which to me, it's just kind of, it does kind of seem like, you know, if you tweet some spicy takes and then your lawyer and your agent are like, we don't want to be associated with this, that's not, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't see how that's Disney's fault. You're the one who said it. Like, I don't kind of get it. Right. Yeah. It's also it's weird that she's the argument she's making is it's her culture. She was fired for her cultural and religious beliefs. Like, yeah, I I guess that's the whole thing is like weird right wing Christian. Like people are are saying that like homophobia and transphobia is whatever. It's a part of their religious beliefs. But it's like what like being. I don't know. That's such. It just feels like that feels like such a stretch of cultural and religious beliefs. Um, especially if you're saying the like cultural and like the equivalent of that is like Pedro Pascal making fun of Donald Trump. Like, I don't know. That's such a stretch. I also cannot emphasize this like enough. She played like a tiny role as like a space cop in Star Wars. And this was also around the time when like the Mandalorian was doing really good. So they had announced like a ton of new TV shows half of which have already been canceled. So it's like, I don't know, like, it feels like one of those things where it's like, I don't necessarily think her career was, like, headed in a really, like, you know, prestigious direction if it weren't for all of it. Like, it is, like, kind of, I don't know, it is this, it it feels like this is a really convenient opportunity for her to stay relevant is, uh, I guess, maybe where I'm going with this. But yeah, this whole thing is so weird. Joey, are you suggesting this is a stunt? What? <laughs> Absolutely not. 
what's this? She's like besties with Ben Shapiro too. What? Uh, I no. know. Who would have thought? It's bad. So Twitter can't figure out how to keep deep fakes off their platform, but they've got time for this. Um, and in case you're curious, what else Elon Musk has been up to? So ironically, while he's been funding Gina Carano's sexual harassment suit against Disney. Elon Musk himself is simultaneously being hit with yet another sexual harassment lawsuit. Let's talk about it. So Whoa, I know. I'm who, so surprised. Who could have ever seen it coming? <laughs> it might shock y'all to know this, but Elon Musk's company, SpaceX, has a frat boy atmosphere filled with crude sexual jokes and gender-based harassment. This is according to a new lawsuit filed by a group of former employees in a civil rights complaint. So we all, like, if you follow Elon Musk on Twitter or, like, have ever seen his tweets retweeted into your timeline, you probably already know that he loves to make bad, like, sex jokes, bad jokes about women. And former employees say that they were illegally retaliated against by being fired for calling him out on it. According to a report in the new complaint to the California Civil Rights Department and in interviews, the seven former employees say that SpaceX executives routinely dismiss their concerns or harass them by excluding them from meetings, promoting colleagues above them, and joking about a sexual harassment accusation against Musk. So folks might remember that Elon Musk was accused of sexually harassing a flight attendant on one of his flights. And it sounds like an HR person at SpaceX was laughing and joking about that and being like, oh, I've never had a problem with that. I guess I'm not hot enough. Ha 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 ha. So Paige Holland Thielen, one of the complainants says, I was left out of so many meetings that I was supposed to be in. I was left out of so many decisions that were mine to make. I was forgotten on projects. I was forgotten in planning. She says that in 2018, she was hired at SpaceX as a basic level engineer below her male colleagues, given seniority despite a similar level of qualifications and experience. Bringing things to light is the first step of actually making them better, she said. And she says that when she complained about this to her higher-ups at SpaceX, they said that she was being too emotional, and that when she complained that a male colleague was taking credit for her work, they told her that she should be more humble. Another thing that's interesting here is that she alleges that the, the jokes, like the gendered sexual jokes that Elon Musk would make, basically took center stage at SpaceX. She says, basically anything that would make a freshman frat initiate laugh was fair game in large parts of the company. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that, like, one of the things that they were senior employees were joking about were Elon's stupid jokes and antics just shows that, like, this is a top-down problem. Like, the problem, the rot starts at the top. If you can't even talk about the comments that your boss, boss, tippy-top boss is making without getting slapped with a gender harassment lawsuit, the problem starts at the top. Yeah, that's interesting because I always wondered, like, all of this weird, like, Elon Musk obviously has, like, a terrible sense of humor. Like, you can tell from his tweets that he has a horrible sense of humor. Like, do the people around him, like, also feel like that? Like, do they encourage that? Or, like, I, I don't know. It's always, like, it feels like it would suck to be in a meeting with this dude. But, yeah, I guess that makes sense that they all are probably in the same, like, brain set mindset, you know? Um, that is, that's, yeah, like, not surprising, uh, unfortunately, but also, like, so gross to have to navigate. Elon once joked that he was going to start a new educational facility called the Texas Institute of Technology and Science, comma, T-I-T-S, or TITS. So that's the whole Whoa. joke, is that it spells out TITS. <laughs> you got it. That's not even, like... <laughs> it is, like... I think calling that, like, freshman frat... <laughs> jokes is like 
that's that's even too low for that. Like, I don't come on. <laughs> yeah, this is so this is a grown man. He has children. He is a grown man, a father of lots of kids, and he is still thinks it's thinks the word tits is hilarious. Thinks spelling out the word. It's like it's like it reminds me of when I was teaching like second graders and they would all find the dictionary and look up the word sex and just thought it was so funny. It is like it is like call it, yeah, freshman frat is like way too generous for the level that this this kind of humor is. I had like a college radio show that I worked on that the acronym for it ended up being tits, but it was like like we all thought it was fun. We were like we like our group chatted for each other like it was all like t- but that was it. Like that was the farthest the joke went because you know, <laughs> haha, it it says tits, that's funny. But like I I don't know. That's not. <laughs> I just, it's, what a weird, what a weird dude. I think I would be so, it would be so infuriating working at one of these companies, obviously, because of the terrible environment. But also, can you imagine, like, having that be, like, the sound, like, being the funniest person in the office, but, like, nobody else acknowledging it because this is the type of humor that they have. Like, it's, <laughs> yes. that would drive me insane. Well, that's something. <laughs> So this is something I have always thought about Elon Musk is that he has billions of dollars. He's politically connected. He has anything that he could want, he could have, except he really wants people to think he is funny. I think that is one of the reasons why he bought Twitter, why he has, you know, tweaked the algorithm so that his tweets get more views and more engagement. I think that he desperately needs to be thought of as funny and charming. He desperately wants people to like him. And it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or a trillionaire. You can't buy that. Like, you can't, you can't, I'm sure that in your little bubble that is your boardroom or whatever, you can force people to laugh at your tits jokes. But if you're not funny in real life, you can't force people to think that you're funny. And I think that's really something that's important to him. And from from all the research I've done on Elon Musk, he is somebody who loves to surround himself with sycophants. I could imagine having to be a sycophant and like be like be a yes person to my boss's terrible ideas. Having to fake laugh at jokes that are not funny. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I would have to draw the line. I can't even imagine. Oh, Ooh, Bridget, I'm sorry. This is where I've got to tell you that uh You all of the laughs have been <laughs> fake, Joey. <laughs> No, no, I could never. I just, this is it's so annoying. He's such a like clown of a man that I, I, it's it's so like it's such a sad. It's so sad. It is so sad. This man just wants to be seen as funny and charming so bad that like he's tanking the entire world to get to that and still not. I don't know. That's some weird, weird stuff. I will quote one of my favorite New York-based poets, Countess Luanne de Lesseps, money can't buy a class. (laughs) Joey, thank you for always having so much class and talking to these news stories with me. Uh, You were talking about the episode that you did on the podcast, Stuff I've Never Told You, about girlhood and TikTok. It sounded fascinating. How can folks listen? Of course. Um, You can check out that episode. It's called TikTok's Crisis of Femininity. Uh, It would have come out February 7th. Uh, We can put it in the notes if people are interested in, but it is just kind of overall about all of the weird 
conversations. It was basically what started as me trying to write an episode about girl dinner and girl math and all of those things, and then spiraled into me talking about all of the weird conversations about girlhood that are happening on TikTok. And uh, we go from trad wives to all the different aesthetic trends and, you know, lots of fun stuff girl dinner girl hobbies uh girl math girl math you know do you get uh, it? Do, trying to take a critical look uh-huh. do you get into like because the aesthetics it's something that i it, it it changes so quickly and it's like i thought we were doing we were supposed to be doing clean girl and now we're doing mob wife like i can't who can keep up yeah well it's it's crazy because that's the whole thing about it is it's, it change it goes so quick it changes so quick i talk about it in the episode which Bridget, i'm sure you could resonate with this it's what it's interesting because the whole like idea of, of having an aesthetic and like an online aesthetic like is something that has always been a big part of online culture and like was a really big part of like tumblr and all that and it's been interesting with tiktok it's really just become like instead of being about personal style it's turned into like the latest fast fashion trend and how uh some of those trends have been really, really, you know, staked in this idea of girlhood and womanhood and femininity. And there's some sort of strange messages about consumerism and all of that there that uh, I get into in the episode. Um, if you're interested in hearing more about that uh, <laughs> and just kind of trying to take a critical look at some of the messages around femininity and girlhood that are you know, circulating on TikTok right now and uh, how a lot of that ties into consumerism and uh, some sort of more concerning trends on a political level we're seeing with like the gender binary being very strictly uh, enforced and all of that. So, you know, fun, fun, light stuff. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, check that, check that episode out. Uh, As always, if you want to hear more of my work, you can also check out Afterlives, the Laylene Polanco story. Um follow me on all the social medias maybe blue sky soon <laughs> who's to say uh at uh pat not pratt that's p-a-t-t-n-o-t-p-r-a-t-t thank you so much for being here and thanks to all of you for listening i will see you on the internet if you're looking for ways to support the show check out our merch store at tangodi.com store got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi you can reach us at hello at tangodi.com you can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Edited by Joey Pat. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.